Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In this episode, Katie and Ellie are joined by Tate Smith, a celebrated trans activist, part-time law student, and program support officer at Clifford Chance. Tate is improving trans male visibility, educating others, and debunking common myths surrounding trans people. So in case some of our listeners aren't aware, could you tell us about your work in the legal industry and how this is tied in with your trans activism? Sure. So I started working as a legal secretary about four years ago um, and I joined Clifford Chance in July 2019 um, as a junior legal secretary. And then I started my law degree that October at Birkbeck. So I'm doing a four year law degree part time. So, yeah, my intro into legal industry was basically as a secretary. Um, And then that kind of ran alongside my transition as well. Um, so I started testosterone in April 2019. Um, so that's the hormone that trans men take, basically. Uh, and yeah, as soon as I joined the firm, I felt really relaxed. I felt very, you know, open to be who I was. And after seeing what fantastic work they'd done with the ex-passport case, that inspired me to come out amongst their LGBT network, Arcus, which is absolutely fantastic. And then I started um, helping them to draft with their 2019 trans policy. And then that led me to speaking to 15 members of the firm, um, hosting a lunch and learn about what it's like to live as a trans man. And then I advocated for top surgery to be included on our medical insurance policy. And since then, I've sort of ventured out and, you know, kind of, brought upon my own activism and built upon that. And I'm now doing lunch and learns with corporates and charities and doing panels. And yeah, it's really good. That's amazing. I love how it's, it really has tied in with your legal career, like the way you're describing it. Mm, As soon as you started, all these opportunities came up, which is so cool. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, and we're really interested, as a celebrated transgender activist, do you find it sometimes a struggle to balance your activism with your other commitments? And if so, how do you manage with the time commitment and sometimes emotional strain that comes with this? Yeah, so as you can imagine, I'm a very, very busy man. You know, I work nine to five every day. I study three evenings a week and then I have my activism on top of that. And it can get a lot. Um, for me, I've always been a very organised person, but I've also been good with my time management as well. So I always ensure I have time for self-care and downtime, um, you know, just to eat, just to get off the screen, listen to music, watch a film, take a long walk, just simple things like that to break up my day. Um, but also I find that things such as long walks, as simple as it is, are work best for me because it allows me to collect my thoughts because activism it's it is you know carrying a big burden on your shoulders sometimes and there are times where I do feel like I am representing the whole community and at times when you know our rights are you know not being progressed as fast as we want or we've got horrible articles being posted in the news that makes me feel the strain even more so I ensure that I up the self-care, up the downtime, but I like to think I have a very, very good balance and, you know, I know myself better than anyone. Thank you. No, that's really interesting to hear. I think people are always curious when it's such an important topic, how much, you know, strain that puts on you. And it's really nice in the podcast, we started to hear more about people really taking the time to, you know, enjoy themselves and have a break and um, caring about their health as well as work. Mm-hmm. You've talked about this a little bit um, earlier about your lunch and learns with corporate, but we wanted to know what's your favourite and most effective method of educating people on trans rights and other topics as well. Sure, um, I would say lunch and learns definitely the most effective. So I have an off the shelf uh, lunch and learn that I do for an hour. Um, so I talk through my transition um and the effects of testosterone and i touch on uh you know sort of taboo subjects so um, family and workplace acceptance um, gender and sexuality and how they're two different concepts um you know things that i wasn't told before transitioning you know the effects of you know how that how that's affected me mentally uh, and in toxic masculinity and male privilege as well because you know, it's all good me telling people, you know, my sob story for lack of better words, but I really want people to take things away from my activism and learn something. And I find that to be the most powerful and effective way, especially when speaking to organisations. But down to, you know, the, the lower end of things, actually having those personal conversations with people and educating them. Now, every trans person can't represent the entire community that's unfair and you know we're we're not the wikipedia page for everyone people do need to go off and do their own research that being said my brand of activism is very much debunking common myths and i would much rather people hear from me and make mistakes with me than they would with another trans person who's maybe not so much as confident as I am, maybe not as out, and especially not out in their organisation. So for me, it's getting really personal with people and these quick, you know, learning terminology, these quick tips that they can learn so they can then go away and implement it in their everyday life. Because like I say, it's all good 
them hearing, you know, the goods and the bads of being trans. And most of the time it can be bad and the media represent, representation doesn't help that either. But I've really got to make sure that people don't learn these things through the media as well. They don't listen to these horrible headlines and they don't listen to these misconceptions. Your best tool of education from someone in the LGBT plus community is from an LGBT plus person themselves. You have articulated that perfectly. <laughs> and you. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, but Charlie Craggs. Yes, that's correct. Name right. Yep. Um, it was really interesting hearing her speak and saying she just wants people to have a conversation with a trans person and then that will so change good, people's same. perceptions forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's so interesting to hear you say the same. And clearly it is a very effective method. Yeah, if we've just got to normalise it, you know, I know that that's quite a controversial word to say, especially within my community, but we have to humanise ourselves and, you know, we have to stop thinking as trans people as alien to us, separate. There are people that think that the T should be separate from the LGB now in our community, even though we started the Stonewall riots, we started the uprising and all of the protests So it's really important that people talk to us. And even if it's not just about our transness, I don't want people to think they can't have a conversation with me about how my weekend was. I'm much more than just a trans man. I am Tate, you know, I'm a programme support officer. I also volunteer at Gender Intelligence. I'm also a law student. You know, I'm also this and that. I'm so much more than being trans. Thank you. That, yeah, that was just so well articulated. And just out of curiosity, is these um, lunch and learns, is this something that, is it just Clifford Chance or is it spread to other law firms? Um, so it's not just limited to Clifford Chance. I've actually had the pleasure of uh, doing one in conjunction with Barclays. Um, so that was called um, All About Trans, Debunking the Myths. And that was a panel discussion that I hosted with two trans women from Barclays, which was absolutely fantastic. I also did a lunch and learn at Unilever uh, to celebrate Trans Day uh, of Visibility, which falls on 31st of March every year. Uh, And now I've ventured out into doing my own um, outside of law. So I recently did one at The Telegraph uh, and I have a couple more planned, hopefully, in the new year. Great. Thank you. That's um. Yeah, it seems it's very widespread then. That's really, really great, reaching lots of people. Yes, um, exactly. And then, um, so you've advocated for gender-affirming surgery, both top and bottom surgery, to be covered by firms' medical insurance providers. Is, uh, this is something that's successfully implemented at Clifford Chance. Um, and, and from this, how much more needs to be done to get policy implemented at other firms, do you feel? Yeah, so... You know, first of all, there needs to be a policy in place. Unfortunately, a lot of organisations, especially law firms, don't have a trans policy. uh, And so the medical insurance policy needs to kind of come after that. Um, You know, our medical insurance policy already covered bottom surgery, which was absolutely fantastic. But for a lot of trans people, that isn't gender affirming as per se, uh, it, it shouldn't be left up to the policymakers and the senior people of the firm to decide what is gender affirming for a trans person. And for a lot of trans men like myself, you know, the first thing people see is my chest, you know, at work through my white shirts. 
And so, you know, top surgery is the natural next step after taking testosterone. Um, so it was really, really important to me that this was also covered by the medical insurance provider. Um, so I advocated for that last year and I was lucky enough to get my top surgery in August, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, and I recently did a, a speech about this at Trans in the City, which is a fantastic event, which is uh, founded by Bobby Pickard, who's a trans woman at BP. And I really wanted the opportunity to speak to all of those corporate organisations in the room because you know, a lot of people are in the midst of drafting their policy or they do have medical insurance in place, but they think, oh, yes, of course, trans people need access to this. And a lot of people don't know what top surgery is. And, you know, top surgery that for trans women, it's obviously, you know, your breast being enhanced. And then for trans men, that's the masculinization of our chest and our breast being removed. And a lot of people don't know anything about this you know they wouldn't recognize the scars it's very much a recognized by a trans man sort of thing um so it's really really important that organizations have this because it's a lifeline for trans people you know the waiting lists are absolutely ridiculous now uh, it's about five years you effectively go on a waiting list to go on a waiting list and then you have to have been on hormones for six months before you qualify for surgery on the NHS. So you're further delaying it and then taking to a fact COVID. So really, when you think about it, it's probably seven. Now, my medical insurance and, you know, passing my probation off three months, so I was eligible for it, that's cut it down to one year. That's only one year that I've had to wait out of seven. And that's cut those six, six years, you know, living every day, wishing that I didn't have this big weight on my chest and you know it's completely changed my life and I think it's really important that organizations know that they can literally change trans people's lives and also send a message to trans people that are going to join the firm as well because it's all good you saying you know we don't discriminate under Equality Act under protected characteristics, which everyone has the small print of on their website. But having these policies in place that sends the message that you are welcome here, you are celebrated here, and we are actually going to care for you. And we're going to make sure that we are there for you throughout your transition and you get the best healthcare possible. So you're saying obviously it literally changes lives, which it does. And in your experience, how has that made you feel? How has that impacted your work performance? Yeah, thank you. That's definitely a great question. Um, testosterone actually makes you more focused, confident and productive. So one of the little known things that I didn't know about was actually how much my personality was going to change and my work performance. That being said, um, I did used to have a very large chest uh, and I was I used to wear a binder, which is a uh, chest compression piece trans men wear to compress and flatten their chest. Um, you're not supposed to wear it for more than eight hours a day. And obviously the working day is eight hours plus commute time, plus wearing it, um, you know, around friends, around, you know, my housemates when I used to live in a house share. That's more like 10, 12 hours. 
and it has a really big impact on your ribs. And obviously the reason that binders have been created is because trans men historically used to uh, bind with ACE bandages. So like think of like mummies and hospitals and things, and that used to um, break their ribs. So luckily people got the idea to make these binders. They, they can be a bit, you know, mix and match. They don't always fit your chest. They don't always fit your chest size or they don't always flatten as much as you want to. And for me, I was always catching myself in my reflection and thinking, are people going to see my chest? Are people going to go, why does Tate got boobs? Why does Tate's chest look like that? Um, I think actually when I joined Clifford Chance, um, there was a lawyer that that could see my binder through my white shirt and did comment to one of my friends, why is that boy wearing a crop top? Which in retrospect is very funny, but obviously at the time made me very, very paranoid. And so I started wearing jumpers over my shirts because I was worried about, you know, people catching me out, people being detectable because I wasn't out at that stage. And as you can imagine, that put a real big burden you know, on me emotionally because I was going into the men's bathroom and thinking, you know, am I going to get caught? You know, there's a lot of talk now around, you know, the imposter syndrome, imposter phenomenon, however you wish to refer to it as. Being trans, gender dysphoria, sort of disconnect between our brain and our body, which means that we're trans, that's times two for us because we feel like, in, you know, imposters or, you know, I definitely do, live in our everyday life, especially in the beginning of our transition because we're trying to pass, you know, we're trying to get through life as the gender that we feel and people not contradict that. So we have to represent ourselves a certain way and play up on it. So it put a lot of stress on my mind, a lot of stress on my body. And top surgery alleviated that. You know, it literally took that weight off my chest. So I felt much better. My posture was much better. Walking a lot better. Suddenly my shoulders looked far more broader. And I was finally seeing the man that I always pictured in the mirror staring back at me it was incredible just a three-hour procedure changed my life completely I wasn't scared to go into the kitchen and make dinner in front of my housemates without wearing a binder I wasn't you know overthinking what I was wearing to work and my everyday life and I wasn't getting upset just sitting there watching tv knowing these big things were on my chest you know it's absolutely changed me and I had a really amazing experience last year um, where I went on a staycation to Jersey and I went to like the caves and the beach and it was my exactly a year to the day 11th of August since I had my top surgery and I got my chest out for the first time and I thought you know is everyone going to look at me are they going to be like, like what are those things on your chest no one looked at me at all and I could feel the, the sun, the wind on my chest and just, yeah, that was the like peak of my masculinity for me. Just absolutely incredible. Like, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, just how much of an impact this has had on me. Thank you. I mean, 
as you were saying earlier, I just think even from this podcast, it's so informative. Um, you know, things that probably people don't know and perspectives that maybe they don't consider. And it's, it is just so helpful um, being able to, to talk to you and, and learn about this whole process. So, no, thank you very much. And that you, did, yeah, you did touch <laughs> um, a little bit earlier on how also having um, firms covering this top surgery, it also possibly could help with representation if, if um, transgender people feel more comfortable. Um, in legal, which I think is such an important point. Everyone's always talking about improving representation in the legal industry. So I was also wondering, what else do you feel that um, trans allies could do to help trans people feel more supported in the legal industry? Um, I think for me, it's just um, voicing your support. That's really great. And especially when it comes from the senior leadership um, so last year, um, you know, there was quite a couple of open letters that were going around to Liz Truss, who was our uh, Equalities and Women's Minister, um, who wanted to drastically change the Gender Recognition Act, um, which is the act um, that trans people have to follow to get a gender recognition certificate which um, updates our gender marker on our birth certificate. And for a lot of people, that is the way that they get their passport with their updated gender marker um, and, and some other documents. Um, so that is definitely one way, open letters, um, you know, even just emails to employers of the firm, you know, this is going on and we stand in solidarity with you. And if you need any support, here are some tools. Um, but also educating yourself as well. I think that's the most powerful tool you know, really, you know, get up to speed with what is going on in the community, all these lies, all these misconceptions, you know, our, our rights are going backwards. Um, and, you know, consulting real life trans people as well, you know, how best can we support you? How best can we support the employees of our organisation? Um, so to finish off the interview, if you could offer advice to aspiring lawyers, particularly transgender individuals, what would your main advice be? My main advice would be uh, there's no need to worry. Um, you are going into an industry that is um, very forward thinking and very accepting, um, but also don't feel the burden to be out and open and represent your whole community um, and obviously I'm kind of going against that by doing the same myself. Um, but, you know, not every trans person needs, needs to be as out and open as me. And just remember that you can live as your authentic self and just get on with your life. And you can make impact just by the smallest things, just by educating your colleagues. Doesn't have to be big policy changes or making big speeches you can really make the impact at the lower level and just be yourself you know just make sure that everybody gets to know you um, and far beyond your trans identity thank you so much Tate thank you very very much it's been it's been such an informative experience I feel like I've learned a lot and hopefully it will be the exact same for our listeners you're very welcome thank you for having me
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.